What up, son? It's the tail of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Alright, Tale of the Tape, Season 2, Episode 49. So, last episode of the winter here, and we're officially back to Windows Open over here, just for the record. <laughs> On our next episode, it will officially be spring, so I hope everybody had an awesome winter, and we're now entering our last season before our break. As you guys know, we break for the summer every year and return back in the fall. Now, I do have an announcement to make as well. After next fall session, which will be a short one to finish out the 90s, I believe it's only like three episodes or something like that, we'll be taking a one-year break and we'll return back on Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024 at 5 o'clock p.m. Now, I'm not going to get too, too into this convo right now. We'll discuss it more in our last episode in June, right before our summer break. And then I'll bring it back up again when we come back for the couple of episodes in the fall. And we'll obviously touch on it as we close out the 90 session. But I did just want to let everybody know basically just the entire year of 2023 will be off. So I just felt it was it was better for a lot of reasons. I feel like it it gives me time to pull more ahead with the people I'm done with. It gives me time to schedule more episodes. It gives you guys a, a little bit of a break from listening to all this math every week and shit like that. And it also is going to wind up having the podcast end in a better spot when this is all said and done. Um, we'll probably wind up taking one more year break before this podcast is completely done. But... Like I said, I don't want to get too, too into it. I just wanted to bring it up and let everybody know that at the end of this year, we will be taking a year break. On today's episode, we got the Big Timers and Merce. So let's discuss my opinions and expectations of all these artists before we get into any facts and info or anything like that. So... For anyone that doesn't know, Big Timers are a southern hip-hop duo under Cash Money Records, which also boasts Lil Wayne and the Hot Boys, as well as Nicki Minaj and Drake, etc. Um, I've discussed this partially when we covered Lil Wayne. I don't believe I had any Big Timers albums in particular, but I did have Hot Boys and Baller Block and stuff, as well as at least one Juvenile album, but like I said, no Big Timers stuff in particular. I won't say I ever particularly disliked the big timers, but also certainly wouldn't say I was a fan. As time went on, I started to realize they didn't seem to be very good either, and again, had no hate towards them, but never fucked with them. As far as my expectations for them in this study, I'm not gonna lie, originally I wasn't even really sure if they were gonna make the cut, but I remember when putting them through the process, I was slightly surprised by their skill level, at least on you know, whatever it was, the two or three songs that I went through to see if they made the cut, I do remember being pleasantly surprised and saying, oh, okay, like I thought these guys were going to be terrible and not make the cut. Again, that's not to say they were good or great or anything like that, but at first glance, they just didn't seem to be as bad as I initially thought, and both members made the cut. Merce, I have a pretty fun story about. So, when I'm rounding the end of a year and have only a couple of people left to go through, I line up the following year in chronological order. So I'm listing the 1997 artists and I see this guy Merce on my list. And I literally say to myself, who the fuck is Merce? 
I couldn't ever remember hearing this guy's name before. And I got completely confused as to how the hell I even wound up getting this guy's name on my list. But obviously he had passed the test at some point and made the cut or else he wouldn't have been on the list. He would have been on a didn't make the cut or his name wouldn't have been on there at all if I really had never heard of him. So now I'm up to this dude, I'm studying Merce and I get more towards the middle of his career and this song called The Problem comes on and instantaneously I know where I found Merce from. So we haven't had a good new boxing game for like 11 years. So needless to say, I've played Fight Night Champion probably over 5,000 times in that time period. Merce the Problem is not only a song on the Fight Night Champion soundtrack, but it's one of my favorite songs from the soundtrack. I'm sure when I started this study, I heard that song and said, who is this song by? This dude kills this. And then I went and looked into Merce, and he wound up making the cut, but to be quite honest with you, I had never heard of him prior to that, and knew absolutely nothing of him aside from the one song. So, I can't say that I really expected him to finish overly high in this study, but I've been very surprised before, so let's get into these guys and see how they finish off. All of the artists today had their debut albums out in the year 1997, but the big timers were out first, so we'll start off with them. Like I said, both members of the group made the cut, so we'll start off with some info on the group as a whole, and then we'll branch off into some additional info on each member individually. So big timers, their origin is New Orleans, Louisiana, United States. Their genres are listed as hip-hop and southern hip-hop. Years active are listed as 1997 to 2005 and 2018. And their past members are listed as Birdman and Manny Fresh. So let's see what additional background information we can get on the group here. Big Timers was an American musical duo active from 1997 to 2005 and again in 2018 from New Orleans, Louisiana, consisting of Cash Money Records co-founder Birdman, then known as Baby, and former Cash Money in-house producer Manny Fresh. Baby later changed his stage name to Birdman after the duo dissolved in 2005. Big Timers released their debut album in 1997 titled How You Love That. In 2018, the duo reunited for a song called Designer Caskets on the Cash Money soundtrack album Before Anything. They recorded their first platinum-selling album in 2000 titled I Got That Work. The lead single from I Got That Work, Number One Stunner, peaked at number 24 on the Billboard Hot R&B Hip-Hop Singles and Tracks. The group released its most successful album in 2002 titled Hoodrich. The album reached number one on the Billboard Hot 200 and spawned a major hit in Still Fly, which reached number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100. The group later recorded their final album titled Big Money Heavyweight in 2003. In 2005, Manny Fresh resigned from Cash Money Records because of a financial dispute with Birdman and his brother Slim. During an appearance on MTV Rap Fix, Lil Wayne announced that there will be a Big Timers album featuring Birdman himself and Drake. Birdman stated that Manny Fresh will not be a part of the project. So, some interesting things there that even I wasn't aware of, like statements at the end that Lil Wayne made, but aside from that, this group is pretty obviously blaring to me. Here we have a group that, no, didn't do Jay-Z, Eminem, or Tupac numbers, but... We do certainly see that this group knew how to move units. 
Um, they certainly had their fair share of success with some singles and certain albums and not for nothing, but that whole Cash Money crew, for the most part, has had pretty big success, not just the big timers specifically, so this is just one small piece of that puzzle. However, record sales doesn't necessarily translate into being good, so we'll have to get into each member individually and see how they finished. First up, we'll cover Birdman, as he was the first of the two to have a solo album out, which was out in 2002. Born Brian Christopher Brooks, February 15, 1969, in New Orleans, Louisiana, United States. Other names, Baby. Genres are listed as hip-hop, trap, and southern hip-hop. And his years active are listed as 1990 to present. So let's read into some more background information on Birdman now. Brian Christopher Williams, February 15, 1969, better known by his stage name Birdman, also known as Baby, is an American rapper and record executive. He is the co-founder and public face of Cash Money Records, which he founded with his older brother Ronald Slim Williams in 1992. Birdman released his debut album in 2002 and has gone on to release four solo studio albums in total. Aside from his solo career, he is also a member of the hip-hop duo Big Timers along with producer Manny Fresh. Along with his solo work and numerous releases with the Big Timers, Birdman has released a collaboration album and numerous tracks with fellow rapper and protege Lil Wayne, whom he discovered and took under his wing at age 12. Birdman has also made his name by contributing to the making of YMCMB, Young Money Cash Money Billionaires, a combination of the former's Cash Money and Lil Wayne's Young Money Entertainment, formerly an imprint under the label. Birdman has also founded the project and hip-hop supergroup Rich Gang, bringing attention to artists such as Young Thug and Rich Homie Kwan. Birdman has also made an album with Young Boy Never Broke Again. So yes, Birdman is a rapper, yes he has his own albums as well as group albums, etc. But we can clearly see in this background that while music may be a great revenue generator for Baby, it's not necessarily from his music. He's also listed as a record exec and with all the things he's accomplished and artists he signed and put out to great successes under his label, I think it's probably safe to say that Birdman is a record exec first and a rapper second. But how good is he as an actual rapper? Let's check out my breakdown on Birdman and find out. Although I had heard plenty of Birdman songs, I probably couldn't name you any as I wasn't sure if they were his or someone else's who was on the song. While I was well aware of his name and the fact that he rapped on songs, I wasn't really aware of how much material he actually had in his catalog and just how flat out bad he was. It was as if he thought instead of actually rhyming different words, he could just say the same word at the end of each bar. I will give him credit for being sneaky because at first glance I never noticed this. However, when I got up to him in this study and started analyzing his lyrics and breaking down what he was saying and doing, I realized he hardly ever actually rhymes. Half the time that he did rhyme, it was one syllable and the next two bars after that would just be the same two rhymes repeated again. I never saw anything like this in my entire life. On top of all this, he took plenty of shortcuts as well and just didn't even attempt to rhyme or even repeat the same word sometimes. One area lyrically where I will give him credit was his ability to be able to use different rhyme schemes. That being said, he was so inconsistent from verse to verse that I started to question if it was even possible that he was writing his own stuff with the different skill levels I was seeing. 
I couldn't find any writer's credits for this song, so all of that is just speculation, and I will give Baby the benefit of the doubt. Even so, he stretched words a lot to make some of the few rhymes that he had, and he wasn't great at being able to keep a topic, finishing him with the worst lyrical score of this study so far. Birdman registered 10 albums for scoring. Four with the Big Timers, one collaboration with Lil Wayne, one with Juvenile, and four solo. Four of those albums were average, and the other six were good. Of his 151 songs, none were great, 19 were good, and 14 were weak. It does need to be noted that the majority of those scores were carried by features and some commercial success, but nonetheless those are the scores his songs and albums got. While Baby's impact on hip-hop certainly isn't huge, it's definitely there. He's had some commercial successes as well as a few viral controversies, but only managed to have an influence on Fabulous and possibly one other artist. He is, however, the founder and CEO of Cash Money Records and has discovered many big successful artists. When it came to originality, Birdman was all over the place. Part of him was your typical southern rapper who was into typical things like money and women, but the extent of which he based his entire career off of those things had some originality to it, as well as his unique horribleness lyrically. Image-wise was pretty much the same thing. While there was nothing about him we hadn't seen before between the girls, the chains, and that tatted tear, he did everything so extreme that it had its own uniqueness to it. But overall, there just wasn't much very original about his music in general, and that's what this is mainly about. So, you know, there were some parts of that write-up that weren't all that bad, but overall that didn't sound too great, so let's get into the math here for Birdman and see how it adds up. Lyrics, he gets a 2. Like I said... I'll be very shocked. I understand that it's a two, it's not a zero, it's not a half, it's not a one, it's not a one and a half. I get all that. But, and I, and I say this not to be funny. I know my cousin is going to crack up during this episode, but I say this not to be funny. I say this to be serious. I think that it would be very, very difficult for someone to actually be worse lyrically than Birdman. And the reason that I say that is just because of how many times this guy just didn't rhyme. So what I mean by this is if you were to actually be worse than Birdman lyrically, you would have to really, really lay the hammer down in all aspects of being bad. Your flow would have to be really bad. You'd have to take shortcuts and have run-on bars. You'd have to not be able to keep a topic, which, again, most of this stuff does apply to Birdman. He didn't seem to have a major problem with his flow, so throw that in there. I'm just trying to make a point of how somebody could be worse, but it probably won't happen. Now, on top of all that, you didn't really have any good lines, very few multisyllabic rhymes. He did have some rhyme schemes, but like I said, the verses where those rhyme schemes were were verses that I was like, yo, I don't think this motherfucker wrote this. Because there were like three to five verses that were definitely good. And then the other hundred verses were dreadful. So it's like, why were there no mediocre verses? Why was pretty much everything dreadful? But then there was a couple of songs that were actually good. It's like, this dude wasn't capable of writing something good. Again, it's speculation. I don't want to be a dick and I don't want to accuse Birdman of something that didn't happen. I'm just explaining to you how I felt when I was listening back to his music. But again... You know, no good lines or anything like that. Very few multisyllabic rhymes, so you'd have to add those to the plate. 
you you know you'd also have to take away i mean let's take away a, a half a point for somebody that has a worse flow than birdman let's take away a half a point for somebody that doesn't show the ability to use the rhyme schemes that birdman did right now you're sitting at a one in order to get down to that half because i told you i really don't want to give anybody any zeros or tens unless it's an absolute must so to get you know down to from that one to that half you would have to just say things that you never ever rhyme and I, I i don't mean to sound stupid but you would literally just have to not rhyme to be worse because the high majority of the time he didn't rhyme so he did say words where it was the same word so if you weren't paying attention it sounded okay so like for example i'm sitting here recording this podcast i'm at a desk you ask what i'm doing shit i'm sitting at a desk yeah, if you're fucked up and you're not paying attention and you don't even care, you may not really even notice how bad Birdman is, but I'm telling you, the very high majority of his lines don't rhyme. So, in order for you to be worse, you really would just have to be, you would have to have almost nothing to offer at all. And again, I'm not saying this to be funny, I'm telling you how it is. You know, if you think I'm fucking trying to be a dick or reaming Birdman, I challenge you. Go listen to five Birdman verses and make sure you pay close attention to every single line and pay attention to how many times this guy just repeats the same thing instead of saying any sort of rhyme at all. Again, coupled with the fact that there were a lot of other problems in there, but just really bad lyrically, man. And I, I don't really think I've ever gone out of my way so far. Maybe I have like once or twice, but I don't really think I've gone out of my way so far. Even with people that got like three and a halfs and shit like that, I wasn't sitting here like, this dude is horrible lyrically. Birdman is horrible lyrically, okay? Now again, basically the main point of this study is to eliminate the arguments, right? There's, I'm sure there's plenty of people that'll turn around and say, nah, Birdman, you know, he ain't no lyricist, but he ain't the fucking worst rapper ever, bro. You know, he had some major successes and some dope songs and whatever you want to say about Birdman, right? Again, some of these things that you're saying could be opinionated, but I want to keep all things into account. I do want to keep into account Birdman's albums. I do want to keep into account his successes and his successful singles and his originality and his impact and all these things. So like I said, that's the point of the whole thing is that we're not going to listen to the dude that says, ah, nah, Birdman ain't a great lyricist, but he, you know, he's still dope, bro. Like he did a lot of other things. We're not going to just listen to that dude. And we're not going to just listen to somebody like me who says, Birdman is absolute trash. Dude doesn't even rhyme. It's like, okay, well, let's take both of those sides of the fence into consideration, put all of it together and see how Birdman was overall. But before we move on from lyrics, I just want to get out there that the point of me saying this is that it is very possible that when we're talking about lyrics and skills and poetry and rhymes and all that type of stuff, it is very possible that Birdman could conceivably be the worst rapper of all time. Overall, is that the case? Let's move forward and see. Albums, he gets a 3.47, which is not that bad of a score. Like I spoke about, 10 albums, 4 average albums, and 6 good albums. Now again, I did speak about 
he had a decent amount of commercial success. So yes, some of those scores were carried by some commercial success. Some of those scores were carried by some features, some people that had some good verses and things like that. But again, these are Birdman's albums. Those are the songs that were on Birdman's albums. So no weak albums for Birdman, four average albums, and six good albums. So not only no weak albums, but more good albums than average albums. So again, 3.47, not a great score, zero classics. So definitely nothing special there, closer to average. But just making a point here that that album score is nowhere near as bad as that lyric score. So it shows you how, yes, lyrically he's absolutely terrible, but even so, he still managed to put out six good albums. So that has to be taken into consideration. Songs, he gets a minus 0.93, and that's pretty significant. That's almost a full point there. We talk about that all the time. Anything plus or minus a full point or more starts to become a pretty significant amount. And, you know, again, you don't want to lose points where you could be gaining points. So he doesn't lose a full point, but very close to a full point, minus a 0.93 there. And that came from 151 songs total. Never had a great song. I, I don't really remember off the top of my head if he was ever even close to having a great song. Um, 14 weak songs. Now, the amount of good songs doesn't necessarily matter mathematically for his song score. It obviously does for his album score and stuff like that. But the reason I want to bring up the number of good songs is to point out that when we get to the song score, we're really pinning great songs against weak songs. So those are really the numbers that you look at. It's like, well, what did he have more of? Great songs or weak songs? Because those are the two extremes, right? And here with Birdman, it's almost like we're not even comparing those two. It's like, no, he didn't have any great songs. Let's just skip that. What did he have more of? Good songs or weak songs? And it was almost the same number, which is really, really bad. So again, it's it's not horrific. He's not losing five points like Eminem gained five points or anything like that, but he is losing almost a full point there. 14 weak songs out of 151 total, no great songs. So he loses almost a full point. Impact, he gets a four and a half, and that comes from a bunch of different things. So, like we spoke about, obviously, Birdman, really a record exec first and a rapper second. So, we do have to just keep in mind that anytime you have somebody that's a producer first, rapper second, record exec first, rapper second, you know, whatever first, rapper second... Most of the time when we're talking about that person's impact as an actual rapper, it's usually not going to be that huge. Now, again, what they do as a record exec, as a producer, as whatever, let's say a DJ, whatever it is, it is taken into consideration, but it's not the end-all be-all. Their impact as a rapper is going to hold more weight. Now, that's not necessarily the case with everybody, but I just want to make a point that most times when somebody is a rapper second, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody get a huge impact score. There will be people out there that will do it, but it's not going to be the norm. So that's first of all, you know, he's a record exec first, a rapper second. Now, that being said, as a record exec, I don't want to say that he was ridiculously successful because... When you talk about people that he brought into the game, record sales-wise, yes, he's extremely successful. 
other than record sales and, and mainstream commercial success and awards and shit like that, their impact on hip-hop and their name in the hip-hop community is, in general, not really something that's overly well-respected or highly touted. Again, that's not to say that it's bad, but I'm just pointing out that the commercial mainstream success doesn't necessarily match the level of respect that they get from their peers as an artist inside the hip-hop community. So again, you're looking at two examples here where, yes, two things are probably above average as far as impact is concerned, but both of those things caused by Baby being a record exec as opposed to being a rapper. So again, there's just both sides of the fence here. As a rapper, he didn't accomplish all that much, probably a four in impact. As a record exec, probably more like a five and a half, maybe even closer to a six. But again... The rapper part is going to hold more weight because we're really trying to figure his impact as a rapper here. Again, we do have to keep in mind what he did as a record exec because it is the same person. And if he brought more success and more attention to hip-hop and things like that, then yes, what he did as a record exec did have an impact on hip-hop. So yes, Birdman is going to get credit for that. But as a rapper... I believe he gets a just below average score for impact there. So he gets a four and a half. Originality, he gets a five. Like I spoke about, that was kind of all over the place too, where it was like a lot of things about him were very typical to a certain extent. You know, you're rapping about girls and jewelry and cars and money. Very, very typical to a certain extent. But again, the fact that they made an entire career and their entire gimmick was based off of that had some originality to it, so give and take there. Same thing with the content of the music and the sound and the things like that. For the most part, very typical down south music and stuff like that. But again, certain things done in a certain way where it was, yes, down south typical, but in their own way. Same thing with the with the appearance, right? You know, typical rapper, tatted up, lots of jewelry, this and that. But to the extreme... Lots of big jewelry and face tats everywhere. So it's like he took what he already saw and just made it very extreme. Which again, there's nothing super original about that. But he is being himself to a certain degree because he's doing what he liked in his own way. So I felt all that stuff was just kind of give and take back and forth and even each other out. And he gets an originality score of five there. So you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five. And that gives you a final rating of 2.81, which leaves Birdman in 184th place of 185 artists done overall. So that's obviously a horrific finish for Birdman, and quite frankly, Birdman is a horrific rapper, and you can put me down on record right now as this being probably the first time that I have called anyone horrific on this podcast. I've stated before that the intent of this podcast is not to shit on or tear anyone down, and I haven't for the most part up to this point. I may have called people out on some things just in being honest, but I gave everyone their props for what they brought to the table. I will give the Birdman his props in just a minute for what he deserves props for, but let me reiterate again that I have no problem going on record and saying that Birdman is an absolutely terrible rapper, and I am not going to sugarcoat that in any way, shape, or form. 
Right now, he sits as the worst lyricist of all time, but again, let's not forget, there are hundreds of people who did not even make this cut, so while I can't officially say that he is the worst lyricist of all time, I can officially say that he's the worst on this podcast so far, and I pray that I don't run into anyone worse down the line. That being said, Birdman did have some successes with some singles and things like that, as we spoke about earlier, obviously had a tremendous amount of success generating attention and income to his record label along with the groups and artists he successfully signed and didn't even finish in last place even so far so as an individual birdman did a hell of a job and had a decent impact on the hip-hop community especially in the south but as a rapper himself he was flat out dreadful now moving on to manny fresh who had his debut solo album out in 2004 birth name byron otto thomas also known as Lovely, born March 20th, 1969 in New Orleans, Louisiana, United States. Genres are listed as hip-hop, southern hip-hop, and trap. Instruments are listed as turntables, keyboards, synthesizer, Roland TR-808 MPC 2000E, MUSP-1200, bass guitar, and vocals, and his years active are listed as 1984 to present. So, some interesting things there. I mean, we see a lot of instruments played there. I mean, yes, there are, you know, some synthesizers, some MPCs, and, and things like that. So, you know, that's a little bit more on the beat-making side. But, you know, does fuck with turntables, keyboards, bass guitar, all that type of stuff. So, again, this podcast is not to try to shit on anybody. I, I don't want to say anything about how Manny Fresh is going to turn out as an actual rapper. But obviously a talented musician here. There are not a lot of rappers that are really able to play instruments like that. So I just want to give Manny Fresh pops on that for sure. And now let's take a look at some more info on Manny Fresh individually. Brian Otto Thomas, born March 20th, 1969, better known by his stage name Manny Fresh, is an American DJ, record producer, and rapper. He's best known for his productions on Cash Money Records releases, as well as being half of the hip-hop duo alongside label co-founder Birdman, the Big Timers. He produced all or most of the songs on 17 multi-platinum, platinum, or gold albums for Cash Money from 1998 to 2004 before leaving the label. He also was their only in-house producer when the company started in 1991. So, similar stuff here to Birdman in the sense that we get the impression reading Birdman's background that yes, he raps and has albums by himself and with the group and other people, but seemed to be more successful as a record exec. Same thing here with Manny Fresh, only he's more of a producer than anything else. But again, does rap and did have albums out both solo and with the group, so let's get into my breakdown on Manny Fresh and see what's up. While Manny Fresh was by far the better of the two in the group, he still finished just below average lyrically. A lot of rhymes were simplistic and one syllable, and most of his attempts at good lines were underwhelming. While he was good with using different rhyme schemes, he did use run-on bars sometimes and had a fair amount of weak lines. Although, he's, although he was pretty good at being able to keep a topic throughout a song, it was usually always the same two topics that most of his music lacked substance. It seems Manny Fresh was more involved in the production side than the actual rapping, but he did manage to qualify six albums for scoring. Four with the big timers and two solo. Of the six, three were average and three were good. Of his 77 total qualified songs, none were great while 12 were good and four were weak. 
When it came to impact on the hip-hop game, the only difference between Baby and Manny Fresh was that Baby founded Cash Money Millionaires while Manny Fresh was making most of their beats. While he also only managed to have a clear visible impact musically on one artist, it was Kanye West. Manny Fresh was also your typical down south rapper obsessed with money, jewelry, and cars, but his personality and underlining message were rather unique on top of him also making his own beats. So that definitely sounded like a better write-up than Birdman boasted, so let's check out the math here for Manny Fresh and see how that turns out. Lyrics, he gets a four and a half. So again, not to pin everybody against each other, but these are two guys of the same group. So when you look at Birdman's lyrical score of two, and then you look at this lyrical score of four and a half, obviously much, much better here at a four and a half. I mean, that's over double the score that Birdman got. But again... Let's keep in mind what Birdman did. I mean, like I said, it would be hard to be worse than Birdman. So I don't want to pretend like this is a great lyrical score here for Manny Fresh, but definitely the much better of the two. I was impressed with his ability to use different rhyme schemes. He was able to utilize different rhyme schemes quite regularly, and that was something that I didn't really expect from him. But Again, that one little thing is really only going to carry you so far. And on top of that, you know, he made some attempts at good lines that were just super underwhelming. He definitely had some weak lines. You know, he used run on bar sometimes, just things like that. So overall, there was more bad than good, but just below average there for Manny Fresh lyrically. Albums, he gets a 3.58 with zero classics. So just a slightly better score than Birdman there. Songs, he gets a minus 0.52, so he loses just about a half a point where Birdman lost just about a full point, and again, that comes from Manny Fresh having a total of 77 songs, which is just about half the amount of songs that Birdman had, but Manny Fresh, with only about a third of the amount of weak songs, only four weak songs in comparison to Birdman's 12, so he cut the amount of songs in half, but cut the amount of weak songs into a third. And also his ratio of good songs to weak songs is a lot better than Birdman's was. So not too crazy here for Manny Fresh, but he does still lose a half a point. And, you know, not cool to be losing a half a point where you could be gaining a half a point or more. Impact, he gets a four and a half. I'm going to tell you pretty much the exact same thing here for Manny Fresh that I said for Birdman. You know, as far as musical successes, commercial successes, the respect of their peers and, you know, how they're viewed by the other artists in the hip-hop community and things like that, nothing too, too special there for either guy, but we do have to keep in mind that for Birdman, you know, he was a successful record exec, and for Manny Fresh, he was a very successful producer, so... We do have to keep those things in mind. I don't want to hammer them too bad as far as impact is concerned, but just below average there for Manny Fresh, just like Birdman. And then originality, he gets a five and a half. And I thought the fact that he had a little bit more of a unique personality and his message was a little bit more original than Birdman's was. And Manny Fresh is making all of his own beats. So I thought that little couple of three things right there was enough to give him an extra point over Birdman in the originality department. So he gets a just above average score of five and a half there for originality. So you add those five numbers up and you divide by five and that gives you a final rating of 3.51, which leaves Manny Fresh in 167th place of 185 artists done overall. So 
Certainly not a good finish there for Manny Fresh, but much better than Birdman's for sure. Doesn't look too great here for the big timers as a group, but again, man, both of its members not rappers first, and quite frankly, I don't mean to be an asshole here, but I'm not so sure that there's anyone out there that had either of these big timers as a top rapper. I mean, you know, if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've personally never ever heard anybody speak like that, so... You know, nonetheless, man, big shout-outs to the big-timers who obviously had their fair share of commercial successes. And now let's get into underground artist Merce, who also had his debut solo album out in 1997. His birth name is Nicholas Neil Carter, born March 16, 1978. His origins listed as Los Angeles, California, United States. Genres are listed as hip-hop and rock. And his years active are listed as 1992 to present. So Merce, another one here that definitely was a little bit more of a rapper when it came to just the music aspect. We saw in Manny Fresh, he made beats, played bass guitar, a couple of other things like that. And here with Merce, we see hip-hop and rock in his genres. So obviously dabbled in a couple of different music genres, which is always impressive, of course. So shout out to Merce for that. And now let's get into some more background info on Merce. Nicholas Neil Carter, born March 16, 1978, better known by his stage name Merce, is an American rapper. His name is an acronym or backronym for which he himself has created multiple meanings, such as making the universe recognize and submit, or making underground raw shit. Merce is a former member of the rap group Living Legends along with Lucky Am, Sunspot Johns, The Grouch, Scarab, Eli, Aesop, Picasso, and Arata. He is currently a member of several groups, Three Melancholy Gypsies along with Scarab and Eli, Felt along with Slug of Atmosphere, and Melrose along with Terrence Martin. He is also a vocalist in The Invincibles along with Whole Wheat Bread. On October 13, 2016, Merce set a Guinness World Record for rapping for 24 hours non-stop during a live stream on Twitch. On June 11, 2013, Merce released an album as lead vocalist of a band called The White Mandingos. The album is entitled The Ghetto Is Trying To Kill Me. Merce signed with Strange Music in 2014 and has released three studio albums through the label. His record deal with Strange Music was a three-album deal. So, some useless info there for Merce, but we also see some pretty interesting things like him setting a Guinness World Record for rapping for 24 hours straight non-stop, which to me is pretty unfathomable. I mean, that's absolutely insane. It's not even easy to just stay awake for 24 hours straight like that. I don't know how the fuck anyone could pull that off, but props to him for doing it. Again though, like we stated about the big timers, None of this equates to actually being good or finishing well in this study. So let's get into my breakdown on Merce and see what I wrote. Merce is probably one of the few people in this entire study whose name I had never really heard of prior to starting this. Even when I got up to him, I found myself wondering who is this guy and where did I get his name from? Then I heard the song and it hit me. He had a song on Fight Night Champion for Xbox 360 and that's where I found him. Early on, he struggled with his flow and his verses were littered with run-on bars, shortcuts, and times he didn't run. He stated multiple times on his debut album that he was freestyling, but that word gets thrown around very loosely. I can't really imagine someone just walking into a booth and freestyling an entire album. 
Most likely, I'll probably never get an answer to that, but nonetheless, most of his decent lines were overshadowed by terrible technicalities. He did, however, get a little better with each passing album, and he was excellent at being able to keep a topic as well as tell a great story. He also showed the ability to rhyme a lot of syllables and use different rhyme schemes. As time went on, he found a way to keep his positives while managing to tighten up his technical mistakes and finish just above average lyrically overall. Merce qualified 11 solo albums, an EP, including 7 with producer Ninth Wonder, 4 with Slug from Atmosphere as Felt, 1 with Fashawn, and 1 with the White Man Dingoes, a rock supergroup from Woodstock. Of those 25 albums, 6 were great, 15 were good, 3 were average, and 1 was weak. Of his 252 qualified songs, 4 were great, another 103 were good, and 11 were weak. Nearly half of his songs were good songs. While the fact that I hadn't heard of Merce doesn't necessarily give him a horrible score in the impact department, the fact that I don't know anyone else who has either doesn't help. By his own admission, he hasn't necessarily had the successes he feels he deserves, but he did manage to influence artists such as Lupe Fiasco, R Forms, and Freeway. Merce was in fact rapping about skateboarding before Lupe and was probably really unofficially one of the first ever to do so. While he did contradict himself a bit on some of his views concerning things like drugs and violence, it seemed to come over a long span of time and could possibly have just been a result of 20 plus years on the scene. He did take a fair amount from other artists before him, particularly Biggie, Tupac, and Dr. Dre, and even though he did sound a bit like Common, there was nothing common about Merce. From his image to his message, and his rap style to his content, he certainly did his own thing and stayed true and consistent to that throughout. So, a little bit all over the place there for Merce, let's get right into the math here and see how the math worked out for Merce. Lyrics, he gets a five and a half, and I, I want to talk about this for a second. I really want to just particularly address that first album. Now, on this first album, he kept stating in his rhymes that he was freestyling. Again, I don't necessarily know if I buy that somebody went into a studio and seriously recorded an album with nothing written. And just kept saying to the, the engineer and the producer, yeah, just, you know, throw this beat on and hit record. And I'm just going to freestyle and do whatever. And we'll just, you know, leave it as that. It's very hard for me to comprehend that someone did that. But it's also very hard for me to comprehend that somebody rapped for 24 hours straight nonstop. And he did do that. So it's possible that he did it. And the reason I even say that it's possible that he did it is number one, he he f fucking broke a Guinness World Record for freestyling for 24 hours straight, which is insane. So maybe he did do something as insane as walking in and just freestyling a whole album. The other reason I'll say that it's possible that he did it is because it sounded like he was freestyling the whole album. Now, I will also say this. If he really was freestyling that entire album... I'm pretty impressed to a certain degree for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm I'm pretty impressed with his fucking balls to just walk in there and do that and put that out. Now, that's not to say it was good, because it certainly wasn't. But you gotta have balls to just walk in there and freestyle a whole fucking album. Either that or you're really dumb, and Merce just did not seem like a dumb person when I sat down and watched interviews of him and listened to the things that he had to say. So, 
I just think he was a rare, unique individual that may have possibly done something like that. And the other reason that I'm somewhat impressed by it is because he definitely had some decent lines on that first album. So if he really was freestyling that whole thing, he wasn't bad at freestyling. It wasn't bad for a freestyle. But in general, it was still really rough. It was just littered with so many run-on bars and shortcuts and just so many technical problems that it was like, man, this guy is really bad. But like I said, he got a little bit better with each album. And yeah, he had a bit of a hole to climb out of after that first album. But little by little, he continued to climb out. And, you know, he was a really good storyteller. He was great at keeping a topic. Um... You know, he, he got pretty good with multisyllabic rhymes and different rhyme schemes and things like that as time went on. So the fact that he was able to climb out of that hole that he was in and bring himself back to just above average lyrically was pretty impressive in itself, along with some other things that he did over the course of his career. So albums, he gets a 4.46 with zero classics. And this is a pretty good score for a couple of reasons. Now, first of all, when somebody has this much material, 25 albums, if they can keep their shit at an above average level for 25 albums, I mean, off the bat, you got to just give somebody credit and props for doing that, right? Like, that's a lot of fucking music to put out to keep at that level that consistently for that long. Is it a ridiculous score? No, but it's a good score. And not only was it a good score kept over the course of 25 albums, but that's also including 13 collaboration albums. So you either had to choose these artists very carefully of people that were going to be able to keep up with you, right? Like if you're putting out that many albums over that long of a span of time and you're doing so many different things with so many different people and you're still able to keep that at a good score again it's impressive now let's also keep in mind that there is a weak album in there which there have not been very many weak albums in this study it's a really harsh score that i give out and it, it's given out very rarely technically speaking that first merce album where he claims he just freestyled the whole thing is is really bad technically speaking again if he really did freestyle the entire thing I give him props for not only doing that, but for being as good as he was for freestyling on it. Again, that being said, technically speaking, it was probably a very bad idea to do something like that. Not that Murr should have not done it because he was concerned about my study, but I'm just saying it's not something that's going to technically help you in any way. But it did add to his originality, so we'll get to that in a minute. But I just wanted to point those couple of things out that 25 albums over a long period of time 13 collaboration albums with all different sorts of artists and different genres of music and shit like that also a weak album in there which he claims he freestyled the whole thing and still after all this we still have a good album score so i definitely got to give merce props there again it's not a great album score but he deserves props for that the way that he was that he managed to pull that off songs he gets a minus 0.23 like we spoke about, he had 252 qualified songs, so a lot of songs, four great songs, which is not an overabundance of great songs, especially considering the fact that he had 252 songs, but he did still have four great songs, so we gotta acknowledge that, but he had 11 weak songs. Now, again, most of those 11 
came from that first album. So, you know, if you remove that first album, I think Merce probably winds up scoring better overall. But again, it is what it is. People put out what they put out and we have to score what's out there. So nothing major. I mean, that's less than a quarter of a point that he loses there. But again, I say it all the time. You lose in points where you could be gaining points. Impact Merce gets a four, and that comes from a couple of things. Like I said, I had never even heard the guy's name prior to this. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. There's got to be somebody out there that's had a decent impact on the hip-hop game whose name I never heard of. It sounds ridiculous for me to say that because I feel very, very, very well-versed in this, and I feel like I know a lot of guys, but I guess maybe before I started this, I wasn't as well-versed as I thought, but... You know, for somebody like me who's as into hip-hop as I am to have never even heard of someone's name before, I never really heard it brought up to me by anybody. I've never heard anybody name this dude as a top rapper. I've never heard anybody name this dude as their personal favorite rapper, anything like that. So all of that shit has to be taken into consideration, obviously. Coupled with the fact that he only had clear visible influences on three artists and they're not the biggest names again it's it's not i'm not trying to shit on those names but it's not jay-z eminem and big pun or something like that so all those things have to be taken into consideration obviously you know very little commercial success if any um you know no tremendous record sales no awards won no anything like that he did do the guinness book of world records thing but that's a very 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 minimal thing that that has almost no impact on hip on the hip-hop community or the hip-hop game in general maybe i should say um it, it is there it has to be taken into consideration but it's not something that by itself is going to carry his score so had he done a couple of things like that maybe he gets a four and a half but that by itself is not going to carry him to a four and a half so he gets a below average score of four there for impact and then originality he gets an eight and a half like i said he was he was very solid when it came to originality. He did take a lot from other artists. And again, I think that a lot of times that's done, especially by, you know, some underground artists or maybe some people that they feel they have something to prove as far as their hip hop knowledge or how much they care about the the genre or the culture or whatever like that, that tend to maybe sample a little bit more or, you know, whatever their form of paying homage to these people are. But he did take a fair amount from all the artists before him, and he particularly took a lot from Biggie, Tupac, and Dr. Dre, which, you know, he loses a little bit from that, right? Like, that carries him down a little bit. But again, we have to keep in mind that his image and his message were very original. His rap style was very original. His content was very original. He just did his own thing, and he stayed true to himself always. It was not something that fluctuated you know, throughout the course of however many years it's been, 20-something years, 25 albums, all this different stuff. He's done music in different genres, um, claims he freestyled that entire album, set a Guinness Book of World Records for the, you know, the longest raps, things like that. So he was definitely a very original character here, Merce, and he gets a solid score of eight and a half, which... Again, if he does any more outlandish things, that could probably be pretty easily raised to a 9. And the only reason it's really down to a 9 is because of the amount that he took from other artists prior to him. So, very, very, very solid stuff there from Merce when it comes to originality. You add those 5 numbers up and you divide by 5. And that gives you a final rating of 4.45 
which puts Merce in 87th place of 185 artists done overall. So a pretty mediocre finish there for Merce, finishing almost directly in the middle at 87th, but again, man, we got a relatively unknown guy here in the mainstream circuit who gets an impact score of a 4 and still manages to finish inside this top half here, and we did speak earlier about how he holds the Guinness Book of World Records for rapping for 24 hours straight, non-stop, without stopping, so... Without a doubt, huge shout-outs to Merce for sure, who definitely did his own thing, and I gotta give him major props for that. So, now let's get into all of our lists, starting with our top 10% overall. So, in our top spot, we have Eminem, who's in first place of 185 artists done overall. Behind him in second place is Jay-Z. Behind Jay is AZ, who's in fifth. Directly behind him in sixth is Big L. Directly behind Big L is Nas, who's in 7th, and directly behind him in 8th is Method Man. Couple slots back from Meth is Black Thought of the Roots, who's in 10th. Directly behind Thought is Tupac and Biggie, who are in a three-way tie for 11th. Behind them is Pharaoh Monch, who's tied for 15th. Behind Pharaoh in 18th is KRS-One. Directly behind him is Rock of Helter Skelter, who's in 19th. Directly behind him in 20th is Proof. Couple of slots back from Proof is Jizza, who's in 22nd. Directly behind Jizza in 23rd is Sean Price of Helter Skelter. And directly behind him is Slick Rick, who's in 24th place of 184 artists done overall. So, no changes to this list today, so now let's get into our top 10% lyrically so far. In our top spot, we have Eminem, who got a lyrical score of 9.5. In a four-way tie behind him, we have Pharaoh Monch, Black Thought of the Roots, Nas, and AZ, who all got lyrical scores of 8.5. In another tie behind them, we have Method Man and Jay-Z, who got lyrical scores of 8. In another four-way tie behind them, we have Master Ace, Jizza, Common, and Big L, who all got lyrical scores of 7.5. In a three-way tie behind them, we have KRS-One, Lord Finesse and Sean Price of Helter Skelter, who got lyrical scores of 7. And then in a 13-way tie for our last spot, we have Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, Tupac, Redman, Sticky Fingers, Lazy Bone, Biggie, Tame One, Lil Wayne, Rock of Helter Skelter, and Razkaz, who all got lyrical scores of 6.5. So none of the artists here today able to crack this list either, so... Let's move on to our particular decades list. We're going to start off with our 1980s decade. So your top five rappers to come out in the 80s are KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J. Never get tired of hearing those OGs. Now moving on to our 90s decade. Your top five artists to come out in the 90s so far are Eminem, Jay-Z, AZ, Big L, and Nas. So again, none of these artists able to make their way into this list either, so moving on to our regional list. We'll start off with our East Coast. Your top artist to come out of the East Coast thus far is Jay-Z from Brooklyn, New York. Behind him we have Big L from Harlem, New York, and in our last spot, Nas from Queens, New York. Moving across to our West Coast, your top artist to come out of the West thus far is Tupac from Marin County, California. Behind him, we have Razkaz from Carson, California, and in our final spot, Ice Cube from Los Angeles, California. 
Moving down south. Your top artist to come out of the south thus far is Lil Wayne from New Orleans, Louisiana. Behind him, Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia. And in our last spot, Big Boy, also of Outkast and also from Atlanta, Georgia. Moving over to our Midwest. Your top artist to come out of the Midwest thus far is Eminem from Detroit, Michigan. Behind him, Proof, also from Detroit, Michigan. And in our last spot, Common from Chicago, Illinois. So none of these artists on today's episode are able to crack any of our lists, and that's okay because and that's okay because we have certainly had some extremely eventful episodes over the past month or two for sure, but major shout out to the big timers and Merce for doing their thing in their own respective rights and anyone in any of these lists today for sure. If you'd like to see any of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit and a like at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast. Easiest way to follow along with everything in writing. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On the host website, you'll see a support button. Please do me a favor and hit the support button. I greatly appreciate it. And that's a wrap for episode 49. Next week on episode 50, we will have two underground legends with Slug of Atmosphere and Aesop Rock. This should be a pretty interesting episode and possibly a surprising one, so tune in. Tale of the tapes. Peace. Tale of the tapes. Might as well. <laughs>